intro, man, everybody knows us. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but if not, uh, what's going on? Hope everyone's well. This is Umar from uh, Rock, Paper, Cilantro podcast. And I'm Syed. Uh, I'm the cilantro. <laughs> um, I guess like there's a, it would have been a few weeks since our first podcast episode. So uh, I guess a couple of things have changed. We now have a bit of an intro, as you could probably hear. And we have a name. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we had to really kind of grind our gears away for a uh, name, but it's appropriate yeah. that we have one. Yeah. kind of gives uh, this entire thing identity. We should probably explain what it's all about. <laughs> I think I th- I think we're I think we kind of did yeah <laughs> with uh with the last one i feel like yeah uh i mean it's gonna be a whole lot more of that kind of thing but obviously okay one thing that we should probably address is that you know it, it's just a happy accident that the first one just became kind of an origin story for one of the hosts yeah, if yeah, you yeah. will because that wasn't really the intention and then from there, I just thought, okay, you know what? I think people got to know me somewhat. <laughs> now, how about we get to know uh, Umar here? So then that's uh, what hopefully this one will be about. We'll probably digress a lot, but uh, that's kind of the fun, you know? It's not about the destination. It's about <laughs> the journey, as they say, you know? So, all right. So, uh, let's get right into it. I actually feel a little bit uh, at ease knowing that I'm not in the driver's seat driving the conversation. Yeah, and uh, it's the opposite for me today because last time I was pretty chill, but this time I feel like, oh man, uh, this this spotlight's a little too bright for me. I'm in the hot seat. Yeah. So, all right. So, let's get started. So, um I've been uh, thinking about our closing notes last time, and I gave it a lot of thought. So for me, personally, I feel like salsa. (laughs) It's a vehicle that doesn't require that much help. But then when it comes to the tortilla, and I'm specifically talking about the tortilla chips, it needs a lot of help. Yeah. And even then, it kind of sucks. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. Some seasoning could uh, go a long way. <laughs> yeah, but even then, <laughs> you know. But uh, so th- that's one. That's that's. Uh, I've been I've been thinking about that intensively. <laughs> but the other thing I've been thinking about uh, is uh, so. Why don't you tell us, Umar, uh, how long? Have you been doing graphic designing uh, professionally? So before we get into that. No. (laughs) Hey, come on. (laughs) All right. So before we get into that, Uh right? I guess a little bit of context is missing as far as how we know each other. Yeah, that'll that'll be part three. Oh, shit. Stop jumping the gun. 
uh, that's my bad. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know the. <laughs> yeah, so as you we can see, we actually don't have one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't have a roadmap for this thing. Yeah, so, and that's gonna be the fun part of it. Um, but yeah, so why don't you tell us uh, how long you have been doing graphic designing professionally? I guess this has been like even before Sate, right? So Sate, I graduated two thousand seven, and that's where I like actually went to school for this stuff although it was i can talk about the the program or whatever it is but well give us a little bit of that well even prior to that i was sort of like playing around in photoshop uh -huh. um, i do like things like text effects and like image manipulations and shit like that yeah like really i like think that's where most stuff. of us started right yeah. yeah all that cheesy stuff yeah yeah I used to do right but what prompted that was sort of like a failed a failed attempt at engineering right because that was the first sort of avenue uh -huh. um, going into MRC and that not working out. Yeah. but then even before that I was sort of playing around with Photoshop in general just for kicks yeah 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 or whatever it was yeah coming out of MRC and engineering sort of like faltering. And this was before SAIT? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So this was kind of like right after high school. Uh-huh. That first semester wasn't good. At MRC? At MRC, yeah. yeah. And that was the only semester. <laughs> okay, okay. Because <laughs> um, even like exiting high school, um, what had happened was at least for me i know that i was i felt very pressured at the end of grade 12 because uh -huh. i thought like the marks are everything it's the end all be all uh it's really an effect post-secondary yeah and if i don't have um, the marks then i'm not going to be able to get into something like engineering which as you know ominder um, one of my best friends at the time, and you know him as well, uh, and the group knows him as well, uh, he went into engineering, and I essentially followed, because I was like, okay, yeah, let's go for engineering. Because I was sure. getting a little bit of pressure from my dad as well. Yeah, yeah. And so I thought, let's do it. Because I certainly didn't really have an idea. Of what to do, <laughs> what you wanted to do. Yeah, exactly. And so... Yeah. I think the the failure um, kind of happened because of that. Well, yeah, because I mean, it's like my heart just wasn't in it, of course. and it wasn't my like first choice to begin with. Yeah, yeah. So it's only natural that this should happen. Yeah. Uh, so, and it was after Mount Royal uh, that I took a year off. So after that first semester, I ended up taking a year off. I didn't really know what. The next step was going to be and i think i remember at one point my sister was in town as well and we were trying to work that out in terms of like okay what's going to be the next thing sure and it happened during that sort of like uh i guess a conversation around well this seems to be one of my strengths so why not go in this direction sure and just see what's out there as far as post-secondary avenues are concerned. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing a little bit of research 
And it was at the tail end of that year that I took off that the program at SAIT kind of jumped out. But for that, I needed a portfolio. Yeah. So I guess when I told you that I found my very first portfolio, yeah. <laughs> I guess that would be a lie because I, I essentially created a portfolio. You get into SAIT. Get into SAIT, yeah. But that, <laughs> that, is, that I wouldn't even call a portfolio. Which is shocking to me because I didn't even realize you needed a portfolio to get into SAIT. Yeah, so... Because I honestly, for whatever reason, I thought that was a exclusive thing for ACAD. Yeah. But that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And it might have been... Um, it might have been just to weed out students. Yeah. Because I know that they had a written test as well. So it was not only the portfolio. Right. It was a written... They wanted to see if you're literate. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, they Essentially. To, yeah, they wanted to make sure that, okay, like, you know... You knew the basics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess, like, there were limited seats and there were a lot of applicants. I remember that. Uh, so after the... I got put something together just to get into that interview with a couple of I would later find out would be my instructors at SAIT during that program. Sure. So I had to like go over it with them. That was super awkward because I hadn't really done that kind of stuff before. Yeah. Uh, so I put together cheesy stuff like <laughs> I mentioned and somehow it seemed to go okay. Uh, did good on the written test as well. And so the two combined, I got in. Uh-huh. I guess like the the time it said it wasn't really you got introduced more so to the programs than you did to the fundamentals mm-hmm. of, for example, what good design is. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was almost like here's a program, and here's something you need to do as an assignment do it like i'll show you how to do it then you do it with your own spin or whatever sure and you call it a project uh-huh. and you get marks for it yeah like it was very rudimentary that way yeah in I order mean, to like teach the tool yeah i mean so. that that's honestly i mean that is one way to teach one way to actually at least get people started yeah right because uh mimicry is one of the fastest way to actually learn, really, if you think about it. Yeah. So I guess that's what they were trying to do with that. Yeah. So. And, like, there were a few instructors that I really looked up to in terms of, like, what they had done in the past. I remember Luba had, like, one of our instructors, she had a good portfolio that I took a look at on the side. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, this is, I'm going to be... You know, learning from yeah someone who's been in the industry, who's competent, who's produced like you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like really good work. Yeah, but it just never got to the heart of it yeah. for some reason. I don't know why. It was just like okay, here's because we learned like we learned Illustrator, we learned Photoshop. Photoshop instructor was amazing, uh, but then again, he was more so like here's the hidden gems of Photoshop. And here is like how to do a multitude of things different ways because Photoshop's like there's multiple ways to approach a design problem or whatever it is. 
uh, we got introduced to Flash. <laughs> Flash back when Flash was a thing. Thing, yeah. Uh, a 3DS Max, a 3D Studio Max used uh-huh. to create 3D. 3D models. Things. And whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I was like learning the tool. So HTML this was probably uh, this was before ZBrush, hey. I think ZBrush existed at, at that time, time too. Well. Yeah, but this was oh, just okay. like, hey, this is what this is just what the tool that we're gonna teach in teach. the curriculum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it happens to be 3ds. Right, right, yeah. So like, it, gradually, I started leaning towards web design in general. Uh, I knew like front end development, HTML and CSS. Sure. But those weren't my strongest suits. My strongest suits were like design. Right. Uh, designing for the web. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I graduated SAIT in 2007. Yeah. So you can just see like. And it so was for the younger year. kids, that's before, you know, <laughs> even your parents were born. <laughs> so. So, yeah. But. But like aside from graphic design uh, and visual like <clears throat> illustration stuff, illustration stuff like I wasn't really, I'd never really considered myself an illustrator by any means, and I always like envied ACAD for that. Yeah. Like after I graduated state, just looking back and having a reference point for ACAD graduates in the industry. Yeah. I was like, that was a mistake. It was a mistake to go to SAIT because, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you why that was a mistake. Yeah. It's because of like not having learned the tenets of what makes good design, how to create good design or like right. what, what bad design is or like all that type of like instruction. We never received at SAIT. Yeah. But in the same time, I feel like you're doing just fine. So, you know, it all worked out in the end. Yeah. I used to see, like, art directors uh, at ZGM, the very first agency, advertising agency I worked at, and they had that skill set of illustration as well. And it just it just seemed to, like, round them out, which I never had. I always felt a little bit sort of, like, incomplete or, like, always felt that, like, if I had this from an art school that I would be a lot more better. Well, you know, I'm not going to sit here and uh, disagree with that because I feel like that's definitely true. And (laughs) no, I actually, you know, like, I mean, if you really, really think about it, it only makes sense. Yeah. yeah, Right. Because uh, the way one thing I will tell you is that at ACAD, I, one of the things I hated uh, at the beginning, it was because uh, pr- I went in primarily focusing on Illustrator. Yeah. But believe it or not, the first two years, I don't recall actually doing that much illustration work. Yeah. It was mostly typography, advertising. We had uh, web design class. We had uh, Photoshop, Illustrator, all that class. And I'm like, what? what the hell is this right like you know why am i wasting so much time doing this when am i going to get to do the thing that i want to become really good at by the time i graduate but honestly my attitude towards that changed by second year because i'm like you know what i am glad that i have that uh, that those skill sets because now like i can utilize a lot of that stuff yeah 
uh, to help with my illustration. And trust me, it makes sense. Yeah. Like talking about it or whatever, may, like may not convince people, but once you're actually practicing it day in and day out, like you may be wondering, well, why would advertising ever be uh, important for illustration? Well, let me ask, present this question to you then. What are you making this illustration for? Yeah. yeah. If you're going to do a comic book cover, does it not need to be advertised? Yeah, yeah. Does it not need to meet all the uh, metrics and parameters of what would sell this product? Yeah. So it makes you think in ways yeah. that you wouldn't as an illustrator and yeah, yeah. vice versa. So in that way, I definitely agree with you that, uh, you know, perhaps if you had yeah. uh, gotten your feet, uh, hands dirty, uh, with illustration and stuff, perhaps that would have helped you. But especially seeing that sort of like firsthand, right? Yeah. You always saw like if there were illustrations that were needed for a campaign, like uh, this art director would like whip something up, and it would be like I would I wouldn't be able to do what she was doing. Sure. Obviously. Yeah. That's why I wasn't the one who was tapped to do it. Yeah. Right. As an on, on an assignment basis like they would obviously know the skill sets yeah oh like oh like this person's from acad and we saw her portfolio she can do this kind of stuff and here's a campaign that demands this so she's an obvious choice exactly right? and the right choice as right well. choice yeah so it's like even just seeing that uh, those executions just being like okay you know it makes sense it makes sense why the work is of a certain quality because of that education. Sure. But would you, but, but like then as time went on for you, how did you like uh, rectify that or remedy that? I think I just always sort of like shied away from those type of assignments. Uh, so then you just stuck to your strong suits instead. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I guess like being a digital art director or designer is a little bit different uh, from an art director who's on the traditional side of things uh, because for websites and things like that, that really wasn't the need. Like the skill set of illustration wasn't really. It's important. not necessary. No. Yeah, exactly. No. So the, like the type of assignments that you were working on, you generally just didn't need it. Yeah. And oh, what I will say that, though is that like throughout uh, my time at ZGM, I was certainly presented with chances that you know I could take to become better at those uh, at illustration or what have you. But I guess I never really I never really jumped at the chance sure. because I was. Yeah, I didn't and, really feel that. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable. Yeah, that. sure. And yeah, no, I can understand that. Like, you know, at the end of the day, we always uh, gravitate towards what we feel that yeah. we're just already good at and we can even be better at it yeah, with yeah, time yeah. as opposed to, well, I mean, why am I going to put so much time and effort into web designing yeah. when, uh, like, you know, I yeah, because that's the way I felt. Honestly, like uh, going. If I think about it, like if I had just spent like at least one semester really hardcore into like web designing, yeah, I would probably be pretty proficient at it. Yeah, yeah. but I never gave it the time. Like 
Uh, no, I mean, I'm already good at drawing <laughs> and composition and colors and shit like that. Let's just get better at that as opposed to spending more time. Because one of the assignments, web designing uh, assignments, I completed within four days. Yeah. <laughs> and you as a professional, you'd be like, what kind of fucking website did you build in four days? Like, what the hell? Right? So that just goes to show you how much I cared about learning, you know, that aspect of things, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but, you know. After Said, like, I got a little bit of uh, the traditional uh, side, too, where yeah. a fellow graduate and I, we opened up a small, like, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what to call it call it studios or like shop we, we didn't have a location it was just like like from home that yeah. you're doing all of this stuff yeah uh i would uh let's just say call it a freelance agency yeah <laughs> <laughs> right because essentially at the end of the day that's kind of what it was was yeah. right yeah. so so like we had sort of like clients who wanted traditional stuff as well as uh, digital stuff like websites and stuff like that. Uh, so that was nice to get a little bit of variation. I did that for, I guess it, like it would be a few years because as soon as we graduated, we had this idea of like, okay, let's do something. Uh, we're obviously not getting into the industry uh, anytime soon. So why not? But why do you guys think that though? I guess we were trying and struggling. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and nothing was like sort of like panning out. Sure. Uh, so we thought, like, in the meantime, let's actually try and freelance and give this a solid shot just to see where it goes. Who knows? Maybe it'll become our full time thing and we wouldn't need to go out and look for jobs, right? That was like an ideal state. Obviously, in its humble beginnings, like we got started, made a lot of mistakes, learned along the way uh grew uh, in terms of our skill sets as well which was kind of nice got to learn a little bit about what it takes to you know start and maintain a legitimate business or what have you and yeah did work on different sorts of projects uh in that first year i did work on a couple of contract roles which was kind of nice because in that regard like i got my foot in the door and on the side i was doing this yeah so i remember that being really tough because it was like we were pulling a lot of hours uh, a lot of side hours on top of my uh so-called nine to five sure. <clears throat> yeah and the other person who i was partnered with didn't have that because he wasn't in the industry at that time right so for him it was really easy to sort of like dedicate time a lot more time yeah. Yeah. yeah and so whereas i wasn't able to and yeah. i was basically the primary like production yeah. dude right? sure uh, who had to get stuff out yeah, yeah whereas he was running more so the logistics uh, or whatever client relations right right thing. right yeah um, exactly man right. a two-man team can't be easy it cannot be easy yeah. but it didn't start out that way like yeah. it started with uh i remember it started with four and two dropped out for personal reasons or whatever yeah uh, and then it got down to two uh but then we maintained it for a number of years which was really good right and then eventually like he uh after those uh, couple of contract roles i found the full-time gig at zgm 
and he found he eventually found a full-time gig as well uh-huh. and at that time like we continued even then for a little bit sure but then we thought like man this is getting this yeah. is getting a little bit insane yeah right we have to for personal reasons choose one or the other yeah and we thought okay we're obviously making more at uh, our nine to fives yeah so that seems like the logical choice right so screw it we had a good run yeah let's call it yeah I and mean, it was mutual and it was perfect yeah because both of us were on the same page there was no drama whatsoever yeah and it was amazing that's awesome yeah because that doesn't always and happen. it was just what it was we had a good run yeah it was awesome yeah yeah you know sometimes it's important to recognize that uh the road has come to an end you know yeah, some yeah. people just keep on driving but yeah. you know like no dude the road ended <laughs> like a mile back there i think our tires fucked <laughs> yeah, yeah. but so but no that's really important but that's good but but like you know i like uh from i know you and i think that experience actually uh made you better yeah, in yeah. terms of like uh working at a professional setting because i feel like you took away a lot of stuff away from those projects that you're doing for you know random clients and stuff yeah, like yeah. that so i don't know i don't know what it is you've never talked about it in depth but i see it uh when you talk about when you talk technically about aspects of work and whatnot i've recognized that and i always felt like it's probably because from that time where he had that little freelance agency and whatnot i would even say like uh the biggest (laughs) takeaway for me was uh my ability to time manage right that's the biggest thing that i took away because you have to juggle nine to five then you come home and then like work like a slave yeah or whatever so you got to really learn about how to prioritize certain things how to time manage which helped immensely because agency life is all about that yeah if you're not if you don't have that as a strong suit then you're gonna struggle if you're somebody who's looking to get in to the industry if you don't know how to prioritize and you have to love it too that's the thing is like you have to there, there has to be a little bit of a hunger in terms of, like, getting better. You have to have, like, that drive, I guess. Or, like, be excited to get up in the morning. I remember during my time at Safe, I had this going for me, which I know is going to sound ridiculous, is, like, this one dude who's, like, amazing at his craft. And it almost seemed as though he didn't even need... He was so young, and he didn't need school. Yeah. It almost like it was so effortless for him and yeah. he was leagues ahead of us. Yeah. And so for me that was the benchmark. Right. And that that was a source of drive. That was a source of hunger to be better be, than be better. the rest. Than the rest exactly. Uh and it's it's a very like silly competitive thing. But hey man. You know, yeah. In the creative uh realm, it goes a long way. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was going to say. Like, you know, as silly and childish, this competitiveness uh, nature to certain things is. A lot of the times I feel like it doesn't work. But a lot of the times it is uh, such a strong force. Yeah. 
which propels you to levels that you didn't think that you could reach. And now, right, and that that sort of competitiveness is yeah. awesome and amazing, and should continue to exist. Yeah, I guess like there is something to be said about like if you don't have a benchmark, fine, you can definitely do without that because that's silly. The one thing is uh, the grind uh, and the hustle to become better than you were yesterday. And to be able to see and gauge that mm-hmm. because I guess like it's really tough if you don't if you don't have that it's a little bit of it, a, it definitely is but so here's my question about what you just said do you have physical evidence of moments where you knew and you saw that when I look at this I know I'm better today then I was better yesterday. Because that's also a very important memento to keep for any artist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you have such a thing where you look at it, where you looked at it at that time or even now, you can reflect back to it like, yeah, this is the moment I knew that I had become better than what I was prior to that. Because I know you have portfolios and you have a lot of work at this point. And it can be anything. It doesn't even have to be like... Uh, Oh, a certain piece of work that I did at SAIT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even at the professional setting at ZGM or like uh, the other companies that you worked at after ZGM, do yeah, you have yeah. any piece like that? Not necessarily a piece, but I would say that I would always reference like Behance and those types of places mm-hmm. to sort of gauge, okay, like where am I at now, right? As opposed to a few years ago mm-hmm. and then it got to that level where it's like okay i can comfortably say that i am beginning to be a little bit more satisfied sure in my output uh, and the quality of my work but then obviously swallowing that hard pill where it's like you know obviously if you're on these platforms that are so visual that you know you're constantly no matter how much you improve you're constantly going to run into someone who is going to be better than you and just accepting that so yeah just on accepting the one side, your place on the, you yeah know? exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah just on the accepting one side being place, like yeah. okay your work is good yeah. but then on the other side being like yes it can be better because better work exists and I can see it. Yeah. Obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, like how you would have to be a true narcissist to think that, yeah, this is the pinnacle of uh, yeah. great work. Because yeah. honestly, I've never looked at a single piece of my own where I've been like, I think I'm done. I've reached the peak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? Because like, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like even if like I did what was recommended to me, uh, back at ACAD, which was like, yeah, like, you know, make sure you draw 12 hours a day. I'm like, do I sleep? Yeah. Or like, you know, or do I just keep drawing yeah. <laughs> until my hands <laughs> are bleeding, my nails come off, yeah. right? But honestly, like, it was crazy. Like, you know, there was a thing where it was like, yeah, per week, you should be, per, like, you know, you should be accumulating more than 40 hours of drawing. Yeah, just yeah. draw time. And I'm like, Okay, yeah. even if I had done that, 
like 40 hours of just draw drawing time it probably wasn't 40 uh, hours so but i don't remember the exact number but anyway let's say i put 40 hours every week yeah even then i would never be at a level where i would feel like yeah you know i've i've made it i yeah, i, I yeah. reached that like pinnacle yeah, yeah, yeah of this like there's no such thing yeah right so and it's yeah, almost like you know. it extends into sort of like other realms besides creativity as well because yeah. you like be it creativity or any other realm uh, with regards to self-improvement like it doesn't necessarily have to coincide with what you're doing professionally is that say for example you do reach that pinnacle right then obviously like you've reached it so there's no there's not going to be any growth in certainty yeah right sure so it's like if you reach that plateau and you're the only one up there yeah. and there is no higher point to get to then that basically means you're god you're done <laughs> you could only go down from there actually you can't go up yeah in, in a way right yeah 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 no but you know luckily for the creative industry there is no such thing yeah there is no pinnacle point yeah right and i love that i personally love that right i love that because this is what happens in the creative industry and i'm not just talking about graphic designing or illustration but all across the board right is that someone comes along the way yeah and sets the bar yeah at a certain point yeah and then a few years later or maybe 10 years later yeah somebody else just comes along and raises that bar even higher yeah and that bar just keeps on raising yeah. and there is no ceiling yeah, yeah, yeah and that is to me personally that is amazing thing that's a beautiful put actually right that's essentially the source of inspiration exactly right? otherwise like i mean I'm digressing a bit here. Otherwise, like, you know, I, I have talked about it in the past with you and a bunch of other people is that, you know, a lot of my ideas that I come up with, they aren't necessarily original yeah, because yeah. originality itself has kind of diminished and dissipated yeah. uh, across the board. And the people who actually think that, no, Syed, you're wrong, this is an original idea, I guarantee you that you probably haven't done enough research yeah, because yeah. some of the m most mind-blowing ideas and themes and in pop culture or even the world like you know this if you really truly go to a source you yeah. will find that oh shit like i didn't know that this was a sumerian legend yeah, yeah, yeah. or or i didn't know that this kind of artwork was found in some cave six thousand years ago and like you know just kind of like got lost in the crashing waves of yeah. uh the society or whatever yeah. but originality is a very rare thing so the only thing you can do is that take idea perhaps yeah. existing idea which most things are now everything is a existing idea you just elevate it you yeah. put a spin on it and somehow like you know uh, and that's what brilliant creators are able to do really well exactly is able to take something and then make exactly it and and as long as you're able to keep on doing that like you know be it in the graphic designing industry or like you know any other areas and whatnot that in itself is limitless like you're that's never gonna like you're never gonna reach a point where it's like oh crap like we're out of like everything yeah right <laughs> because someone always comes along and yeah. sets the bar higher yeah. and that 
<clears throat> then they create a golden age of sorts of their own. Yeah. Right? So, and and that's amazing. <laughs> like, that's freaking amazing. But anyway, so... Christopher Nolan is a really good example of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that guy. Jesus Gotta watch it. Yeah. Gotta watch it soon. But anyway, now getting back on track. Let's <laughs> go back 50-odd years. Holy when shit. Umar, or to a younger Umar. <laughs> uh but like okay so what did you actually want to do though like when you were younger like you know saying yeah junior high in high school like did you have any idea at all because engineering was clearly not something you wanted to do fine then you know you like photo manipulation and all of that sort of thing but was that something it doesn't sound like you knew for certain that that's what you wanted to do no. So did you have anything at all where you knew that, okay, perhaps this is what I really want to do someday? I kind of actually, like, I, I didn't even know I wanted this, uh-huh. to be honest with you. Yeah. Whenever somebody used to ask me that in, like, junior high or even, like, I would say mostly junior high because in elementary I didn't know where things were going mm-hmm. or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But in junior high, it always used to come up that, like, I would tell somebody that I would want to be some, like, game designer or whatever it is. Uh, wow. But then, like, I, I, I actually don't think I, I wanted that as well. I would just, like, use it as an answer. Sure. Really. Okay. And I don't know, like, maybe, I, like, I wanted to sound cool or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And just, like, have an answer mm-hmm. rather than none. None whatsoever. That maybe I would just say that sort of thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because... The reason I asked that is because I just wanted to see if there were like uh, some sort of uh, connection on what actually led you to the doorsteps of Sate. But then what I suspected actually is turning out to be kind of true. Like if you say something like I want to become a game designer, that already means even if you're saying it to be cool, that already puts you in a certain type of mindset. And then from that, like, so yeah, like, you know, create something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right simply put create something because that's what it was kind of like for me too as you should know from the previous podcast right <laughs> yeah. so okay that's interesting so yeah. that's what led you to uh say and then into the professional world of graphic designing so how many years has it been now since you have been doing it professionally i would say about if it started from 2008 and we're at 2020 now, maybe 12 years. 12 years? Oh, man. Well, that's over a decade. So you know what that means, <laughs> right? You're an expert. You're an expert. But the thing <laughs> is, the thing is, is that like stuff changed after Trigger, right? Because we'll get to that. Let's not jump. Yeah. So it's like, we'll I, I don't know that. if it's been that many years. I would have to take a few of them all. Sure. But even then, uh, a decade at yeah. least, right? Yeah. yeah. But okay, so here's the thing that I'm the most interested to know is when you step foot into the industry, and I'm just gonna put a placeholder for you just to make it easier for you, which is that GM. Yeah. Right? Like when you put your foot in there, what uh, was the biggest shock for you just jumping into it? Or struggle. Biggest shock or struggle for you. So the biggest struggle always has been yeah and always will continue to be i feel like because i I don't think i'm ever gonna like be able to come out the other end is just feeling like you're faking it like you're an imposter like imposter syndrome Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. 
So just going through that and not like fully ever coming to grips with it, it's yeah. been a constant challenge because you always feel like, yeah, you have like some level of talent, but you always feel like you're talking out of your ass or you always feel like this is this is uh, but, you're just getting by. But to be fair, and this is me putting words into the mouths of millions of people, that's, I feel like that's how most people are. It's a very common. Yeah, no, what I mean by that, like, Especially oh, that's how most people feel. I'm not talking about that. I, I'm literally saying that's who most people are. They are just talking out of their asses. <laughs> it's no, very really, common really. in the creative industry. Yeah. Though, because yeah. like even with that summit that we had, camp, uh, the last camp that we had at MRC, like there was a whole, I'm not going to say a session, but like since it was revolving around mental health in the industry, it's sort of the conversation took it there with one of the fireside chats was that, they talked a lot about imposter syndrome mm-hmm. with people who were like relatively new mm-hmm. and those who were like seasoned mm-hmm. veterans. Yeah. And still feeling like that. Feeling like that, yeah. Right. And so in I would say even more so in the creative industry that it's a little bit more common. Yeah. Or with content creators it's generally a little bit more common. Right, 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 yeah. I don't know what it is. I, I think, I don't know. Like, this may not make sense, but, like, you know, the way I uh, think about that is maybe because the creative industry tends to be a little bit more abstract versus other professions. Could be. Yeah. Right? Like, that's probably why. Because, for example, when I think of it like this, like, okay, there's a amazing dentist out there, right? Yeah. He would, he can... He knows every single one of your teeth and because it's numbered, yeah. there's alphabets in there and stuff like that. So all of that, like he knows inside out, he knows why this looks like that, that looks like that, blah, blah, blah. But when it comes yeah. to, let's say, a piece of design, right? Like there is no, uh, again, going back to the template thing from last time, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there is no template. So it's kind of like, like, should I, like, if I'm I'm just, like, coming up to you and criticizing your work, like, and I tell you, you know what, this red against this, like, uh, black doesn't really work, and, like, you know, uh, perhaps things shouldn't be bleeding off of the page like it is, this and that, but who am I to, to say anything? Because there isn't, like, actual template yeah, of yeah. sorts, right? Like, you know, anything can work. Yeah. Given that you actually do it a certain way, yeah. right? So maybe that could be one reason as to why a lot of people feel that because by no means have i actually considered like me myself to actually be i always thought i'm average really so like you know whenever i give tips to people like even the dumbest ones like which i've told you and many other people like yeah when you're actually feel coloring something don't just color like you know move back and forth like a like a kid yeah, does. Yeah, if yeah. you do everything in a circular motion, little tiny circular motion, you get a perfect, yeah, yeah. perfect, like, you know, you fill it in perfectly, right. like you would on Photoshop if you're filling in an empty space, yeah. as opposed to, oh yeah, let's just scratch the share out of paper and it will be colored, <laughs> who cares, right? So when I tell people that, I'm like, you know, I know that I'm on to something, but who am I to tell them <laughs> how to really color? I mean, yeah, like it just feels odd. Or like right? taking, taking clients through like what you've done yeah. and like coming up with justifications for the steps that you took. Or yeah, like, sure. Obviously, you had some sort of a brief going in yeah. uh, to like, okay, this is this is what the the brand is or like the guidelines are. 
and you have to execute within the constraints uh you know within like additional co uh, constraints that the brief provides uh and so you have to execute in a very specific way all that aside when you've actually executed and you're presenting to the client and then just like coming up with justifications for why you've done certain things mm -hmm. at the end of the day whatever you're doing is very subjective but then just having a little bit of faith in a sense that okay you've been you've been hired as a professional like they're paying you not you the agency to do something and so act like you know what you're doing yeah and so bring your a game yeah know the fundamentals yeah and that's all you got to get across right well you know it's like it tends to be a little bit i'm very like simplifying it yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And even that in and of itself gets to be a little bit daunting yeah, yeah. But it's always it's very easy to forget. Yeah. In terms of like you've been hired as a professional. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. it's like you're just working at an agency. Dude, honestly, I think uh, like I don't know like for the people you have worked with in uh, Pixel Tales, I think each one of us will understand what you just said very well because throughout the entire time with PT, I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> But the world seems to love it, so I'm just gonna ride that wave, <laughs> right? Like that's a, like if that isn't imposter syndrome, I don't know what it is. Because every step of the way, I'm like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I'm such a fake. If people actually yeah. knew, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think would be out of business. Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, you know. In in certain respects, that kind of creeps in. A little bit where you know you get to a specific point in your career where you get to know the tool really well right you can start to estimate a little bit better in terms of like okay this is this is how long it's gonna take me to do this right, right? because obviously like your account directors come to you with estimations yeah. right so it's like how long is this gonna take you and then like they, they build budgets for certain projects sure right? And they, they are responsible for presenting those to the clients mm -hmm. to be able to get buy-in, right? Because they're paying for this yeah, yeah. project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyways, you can tell your account director, like, this is how long it's going to take me to do this. But that's essentially based on how well you know the tool. The tool. And like I said, over time, you get to be really efficient. Yeah, right? exactly. I guess what I'm trying to say is that that imposter syndrome creeps in a little bit in this regard is that it might take you this amount of time to do something mm -hmm. but the client doesn't need to know that mm -hmm. right yeah. so obviously in that regard like your ethics come into play as an agency to be like okay we're gonna we're just gonna inflate yeah. the estimates a little bit sure right yeah you could get paid a little bit more Honestly, like freelance designers do this a lot. Yeah. They know their capability with the tool. Yeah. Like they've been in they've been doing this for a number of years to know to yeah. exactly know how long this is gonna take them. Right. And they tend to inflate. Right. Right? Well, and if the and if the world knew, well you would be an imposter. Sure. Obviously. <laughs> but you know, uh like you know, I, I'm not a big fan of this sort of thing. Like, you know, just as a person, but that aside, 
Yeah. You know, I feel, no, that aside, I truly feel like most of the world actually does that sort of thing anyway. So it's a very, very, very prevalent thing. However, it's all behind closed doors, so to speak. Right? So if freelancers are inflating their time or agencies are inflating their time, well, you know, is it, can you really consider it that bad when chances are that sort of thing is happening everywhere in other sorts of fields and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. It's still a bad thing, and I'm not saying otherwise, but, you know, that should soften the blow a little bit because, yeah. you know, I don't think, like, it depends on the client, but I'm pretty sure smart clients tend to know that, okay, you know, there's some sort of, like, you know, not all of this the exact. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because truly smart, there are some really smart people out there. And I'm not talking about, oh, like, just uh, you book smart or whatever. Right? Yeah. Like, they know. They know. Like, yeah, you know what? Sides telling me that's a 12-hour gig. <laughs> but I've, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to believe. It doesn't seem like a 12-hour thing. Right? Seems more like a 10-hour thing. So yeah. he's getting that extra hundred bucks or three, four hundred bucks out of me. But yeah. they let it slide sometimes. Yeah. But, you know, that's me just making assumptions because I'm not saying all clients know this. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if some clients know that, yeah, like, you know, this agency is inflating the times a bit or whatever. Yeah. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, let's be real. Like, people can't be that stupid. Can they? Can they, <laughs> can they really be that stupid? I don't know. This is 2020. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what anyway. are the other one of the other things was uh, so besides imposter syndrome, kind of like going in a in, in a risque route mm-hmm. with a client, with like visually or like direction wise or concept wise, and just trying to you know get buy-in from them to go in a certain direction, mm-hmm. which was maybe a little bit more risky mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit off brand yeah but you thought as an agency or as a creative that you know this could get a little bit more engagement sure rather than going with the safe route right because we can go the safe route yeah here is actually in fact the safe route yeah beside this the risky route yeah right? yeah so in those situations it was always like difficult to be able to convince a client that don't go safe essentially uh-huh. go with something that Bold. makes you a little yeah. makes you stand out a little bit more sure and and pushes the boundaries a little bit right creatively and from the standpoint of like how much engagement you're gonna get with something right sure so that's been a little bit difficult so that's okay so those were where and are the challenges for you but yeah then what would you say okay well i mean but has that gotten better i know one of them hasn't i suppose with uh yeah one of them hasn't but the with the other one it kind of fell through because after zegium yeah and after trigger yeah. as agencies i went in a completely different route yeah and so that i would say fell off naturally because i just don't do that stuff anymore anymore right? so okay so the risky aspect and all of that like yeah. you know it's not a worry anymore for yeah uh, in some ways it's kind of like now i think what the challenges become because uh our user base and the stuff that we're doing now our demographic is a lot more older mm-hmm. so if they're engaging with our app or with our portal that we have we always have to be 
we can't forget that and sometimes we often do mm-hmm. in terms of like how uh how easy we need to make certain things yeah, yeah how how much spoon feeding we have to do right to the end user right and oftentimes we're absorbing all of this like interaction or like user experience design on our apps on our phones on websites and we think well this is this is the norm yeah this like is so simple everybody how, should know this yeah this is so simple how could you not know how to exactly, use it yeah right like and yeah i, I mean i'm so guilty of that and so and so we <laughs> wrestle with that because yeah. we always need to bring it back to the context of like okay how what can we foresee yeah. like realistically yeah. like are they are they going to struggle with this like we always like bring it back to our reference points of like is our mom or dad going to be able to use this is our grandma going to be able to use this or whatever it is like we have certain personas or whatever yeah Um, but yeah it's tough it's tough to be able to put yourself in their shoes constantly and base every single decision based on yeah i can't i can't imagine how it's challenging challenging that must be on a constant basis because honestly like it's not like i haven't faced that kind of challenge like i have too because i have to consider those kind of things but you know then there's always that part of you uh that just comes for me at least i'm like how could you not know how to not do this yeah like how can you not know in order to just go back click the back button or click the home button (laughs) right but yet yet it's astonishing like especially with my dad yeah i I just don't understand and i'm like i have shown you how to do this one thing. <laughs> like over the years minimum of 20 plus times yeah, yeah. and yet here we are yet again 3 a.m woken me up from my sleep because it's that urgent and I, it just blows me away yeah yeah right and uh so you know with ux design i feel like that'll be because i'm still sort of like relatively new right so yeah. with this it's <laughs> going to be a constant challenge because we do run into those instances where we're like okay are we making this user experience uh whatever we have to do on the screen right now are we over complicating it mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. do we need to peel it back yeah or on the other side, are we making this too simple? Too simple. Or it's like, you know, would they really know how to interact with, like, here on the screen yeah. or, like, do this? Right, right. So it's like that constant, like, struggle, bet- like, back and forth between, yeah. is this too complicated? Is this too simple? Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> you know what? What's funny is, uh, this is just from personal experience uh i i have always struggled with that too and i'm not just talking like when i'm creating something it's also when i'm interacting with certain things right uh it kind of blew me away i don't remember the exact website like this was going many years back but it was such a simple website and that is what kind of tripped me up a little if that makes sense (laughs) it was so simple i'm like how do i get here (laughs) right and then because like it was way too simple and at the top i if i'm remembering correctly it didn't really specify like you know this or or like you know oh yeah click this to go to this page or whatever 
it was more like I, I'm not I'm having a hard time remembering the exact details of it, but I remember experience like that where it was so simple. Yeah, it yeah. kind of messed me up, and I felt stupid. I'm like, I'm not this stupid. Yeah, that's right. Like I I went to school for this kind of stuff. <laughs> I can't believe I'm having a hard time here. Yeah, but yeah. that does happen. Yeah. That does happen. And uh, But for the listeners, maybe I am that stupid. <laughs> but, but whatever the case may be, that was a shocking experience for me. I'm like, okay, there's, like, this yeah, is absurd. Yeah. It's, it's so simple. I'm having a hard time with it. That's happened with me as well. <laughs> right? like, right? Where I'll come across an experience and it'll be like, man, this shit's like too slick for me. Yeah. Because obviously I don't know what to do now. Yeah. I don't know how to get from point A. And that's yeah. what that's what UX design is. That's what like, yeah. if UI is a look and feel, that it's like UX is how to go from point A to point B or how to perform task A or task B. That's all UX design is. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, yeah i don't know like honestly i'm not an expert in ux in fact i have like zero like you know uh expertise there or experience there but even i know that yeah like you know but that's the great thing that's one thing that's great about going to acat it's like you at least know a little bit of everything so i never feel completely lost yeah, yeah. Right? Like with UX design, I've never actually had to do it myself yeah, yeah. to a crazy degree. Yeah, I built websites before yeah. and I had to consider many things and this and that. But, you know, I never feel lost when it comes to UI, UX or yeah, yeah. app design and stuff like that. But I've never, like, and, and like you said, uh, going back to what you're saying about illustration and stuff like that. Even though I got my hands dirty a little bit with everything, yeah, right? I never went deep enough. But I was satisfied with that. Because I'm like, when the opportunity comes someday, yeah, I am able to actually go into it and not completely blind. Yeah, yeah. So, bringing that all the way back around. So, did you ever feel like that uh, with the experiences that you accumulated from ZGM? That perhaps there were a lot of stuff that you did, but got your hands dirty with, but never fully went in. But then now, uh, with you, uh, you started doing UX design, really? was it a complete shock for you? Like, you know, uh, too many things were brand new to you or whatever? Or did you feel, no, you know what, I know enough yeah, that yeah. I can confidently go in, learn more at a good pace and be able to bang out those products there's different realms so there's like web design and then there's product design mm -hmm. what i'm doing a little bit more so now are deals with product design where you have your own where the firm for example has their own app right so they have certain data points that are in salesforce salesforce is like a crm platform uh, that are used to be able to show uh, your clients uh, you know certain data points that come through from the back uh, from the back end, right? So how they show up on the screen and how the user is able to navigate to them, how the user is able to, for example, absorb all of our marketing content mm -hmm. uh, through the app or the portal, what the data point relationships are, all of that is different. 
in general from websites websites it's kind of like okay you know you there's different realms in websites as well yeah, i mean they're different platforms yeah you're so, you're yeah. running the mail websites like okay few pages like navigation super simple mm-hmm. it's all good yeah, yeah. a little bit more of a complex website is an e-commerce website where it's like okay you make a purchase for example and then you need to guide your user through this the, the different stages from adding an item in your cart and then like checking out yeah. that's type of the uh, things right so there's yeah. different stages in websites as well yeah um, that kind of prepare you for uh, this level of product design mm-hmm. um, and like not having done a lot of e-commerce like this stuff I will say is is very new because very new I'm coming you. from the from right. the aspect of like simple websites right right, right? yeah and in that in in that way for me yeah I'll be, it would be a very shock factor for me too because yeah just yeah. like you i've only done simple yeah. website stuff and really. that was that was the scary thing because it's like after after trigger it was almost a matter of like okay do i really want to be subjecting myself to this over and over again where i'm creating content mm-hmm. and it is a little bit more subjective Whereas UX design, you can get away with a little bit more objectivity there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I really want to be continuously like doing this over and over again? My mental health isn't necessarily like on par. Like, cause like it gets, I don't know, man. Like, like being in the industry for a number of years, like, and even though you start to become a little bit more seasoned as an art director. Like, you still sort of run into that with your mental health where it's like, your stuff's just not, your stuff's just never going to be on par, either with your creative director or the client at the end of the day. Yeah. And so over time, you, it starts to wear you down. Mm -hmm. It starts to wear you down. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I just didn't know if I wanted to continue down that road. And with UX design, like it presented a little bit of a, a an uncomfort as a discipline because I was like, okay, if I if I'm gonna go this route, it seems very exciting and it seems very scary. And if I'm not going to be doing this visual like tomfoolery again and again and again and have my mental health sort of like be battered, then better to just jump off the ship. And going to uncharted waters. Sure. Right. Yeah, I get that. And I so get that. That was very scary. And being able to sort of like learn the discipline. And not only that, like learn it in a little bit of a short time, short amount of time-ish. Being able to pass yourself off as a UX designer is a very different thing altogether because all you have in your portfolio is super simple. It's just websites. Yeah. Right. So that challenge as well. Yeah. But honestly, to me, that's not really a bad thing. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's a good thing. Like some of the best portfolios, some of the portfolios that I personally loved are some of the simplest stuff. All right, because the visual bang is there, but it's simple enough that anybody can really appreciate it. And I don't know, for me, those are those are some important qualities to have. Yeah. All right, like even if it's just UXO, all it is is websites. But yeah, but 
does it look good? Yeah, yeah. Does it look good? Does it does does it work good? Yeah. All right. Uh, if those two things are happening, I'm happy. All right. So <laughs> yeah. That's the. But the, I'm simplifying it. But you know, like yeah, it's the thing that made it tough was like even just during that year because I was like we used to get together and have conversations and like work on stuff together. Yeah. Uh, and at that time, I was like really in the weeds of getting my portfolio down mm-hmm. and making sure I had what was needed up and like doing a little bit of like job search and stuff. And so what made it tough was like also being able to be a little bit more picky because you had this one side where it's like you're trying to pass yourself off as something you're not. And then on the other side, it's kind of like, okay, well, if I'm going to work at some place, it better be good because I'm kind of like going all in with this stuff. Sure. Right. And so it just doesn't have to be any any company or organization or whatever it is. And so that made it that just and it was like a little bit self-inflicted because yeah. it was just me yeah. bringing in that layer of complexity, yeah. uh, which honestly I didn't. I could have just left it at like, OK, the first thing I'm going to get, I'm going to be all in. And yeah. I had a couple of offers, which I'm surprised because it was like, I know there was this company, uh, Peloton and NMAX. NMAX, uh, was it NMAX? It was Shaw, actually. Uh, yeah, it was Shaw. Shaw. You told me about it. It was Shaw. Yeah, it, was yeah. Shaw. Yeah. it was Shaw and Peloton. So Peloton offered me something. And then I was like, well, which was kind of funny. It was like, I went to the interview. Like, why did I go if I didn't really want yeah, right. but it was like it was super like legacy systems, oil and gas stuff, like super yeah. clunky. Yeah. And I'm expected to go in there and like turn shit up yeah. and imagine how much like pushback I would have gotten. Because like the, these people out in the field, they're like kind of like very used to legacy systems or whatever. So obviously my role wasn't going to be easy. Yeah. <laughs> like from an execution standpoint. It's like Swadis all over again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like changing the hearts and minds. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Like, Fuck that. I would Dude, been... I just I just want I just wanna not be broke. <laughs> right? Like I'm not coming here to change your entire world and, and shit. And so once I right? like, I remember like once like it was during the interview phases that I got to see a little bit of that yeah where they would just like be conversing with me and they would just like dismiss you no 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 no. they would have these like uh, inside jokes and like chuckles to themselves just being like oh you're in for it or whatever it is right Uh like oh because like this and this and this is happening they're so used to like legacy systems and stuff and it was almost like a joke right yeah I was like that's that's got to be a red flag yeah (laughs) Yeah, no, because you know what? Okay, this that it's so funny that you bring that up because uh, you know that's something I have actually I've never told you this, but that's something I have thought about. Like you know, going forward once my portfolio is done, yeah. that is that that is the kind of atmosphere I never want to actually step into. Only because when I was in university, I know this is gonna sound crazy. I'm being sarcastic right now, <laughs> but there were professors at university and faculty members and whatnot who lost their shit when we were upgrading them from Windows XP to Windows 7. And when we told them, hey, listen, Cyrus, it's going away. It's not us. 
the actual fucking company <laughs> is shutting down. So you gotta please, yeah, for the yeah. love of God, move on to like Outlook or like uh, you know Gmail or yeah. Outlook or whatever. And Exchange yeah, is the Microsoft system. Exchange, yeah. yeah, Microsoft Exchange or whatnot. And they lost their shit. You won't believe the amount of times I have been yelled at. Yeah, yeah. When I step into some <laughs> professor's office and they're like, oh, I don't have to do anything. I'm like, okay, but in literally two weeks, yeah. no one's going to get your emails. You're not going to receive anything. Yeah. None of your students will be able to even contact you, really. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, you IT people just always have to make things difficult. I'm like, do you even understand <laughs> what is it that's happening here? Because these idiots, and I will actually call them what they are, idiots. Yeah. They actually think if you were to come on as a graphic designer and whatnot, right? They would think that all you're trying to do is make their lives harder, yeah, right? Yeah. And that's the, and they don't get it. They don't get it. So that's a mental note I made with myself when I started on the portfolio that. I'm kind of jumping the shark a bit here, but when the time comes, I will never, ever, even if I get the job, work for a company where I have to be the guy who <laughs> yeah. has to like improve their like you know uh, interface and whatnot. I'm like, no, no thanks. <laughs> I've been there. I know what that's like. Yeah. People just can't get with the program. It's hard, yeah. right? So no, it's hard to convince them. The stuff that happened at Shaw was very interesting. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. How things sort of like panned out. Yeah. Because like initially what had happened was I had applied for this creative UX strategist role. <laughs> right. And this role would have overlooked sort of like several streams of UX from the app to portal to uh, router uh, CX customer experience which for example like I didn't really know why that was like roped in because it's always like CX is almost like a branch of its own right. which deals more so with user journeys and specific touch points at which users interact with your product and so I personally don't consider it as a as a connection to UX right but with that I just got a little bit intimidated right with that role mm -hmm. and then Afterwards, they were like, well, we have this UX designer role, which would be perfect. But then that never got funded or whatever it was. Right. So I was left sort of like hanging. No, I remember that. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, that was uh, very interesting yeah. to go through. <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know, interesting is uh, a polite way to put it. Just because I feel like with a lot of companies, you know, whenever I've looked up, uh, like, you know, job searching and whatnot, they try to, like, you know, merge, like, three different departments into one singular job yeah, and yeah. still pay you for the one job that you're doing. So I'm so glad that that shot gig didn't really work out for you because I think... Uh, <laughs> That was a blessing in disguise, yeah. in a way. Like that's how I feel about that. But sure. now let's uh, changing the tempo a bit. Let's get a little bit more specific. And what I wanted to ask, and I've been curious about for a while now, is uh, why don't you tell me about your best experience in the graphic designing industry and your worst? And don't hold back. <laughs> don't hold back. 
Like be it like in ZGM or like Trigger, like I'm sure like there were some really good experiences and some that were just atrocious. I think one of them had to be uh, the Market Mall one, right? So that's a good, good. Uh, that was a good experience. That was very good because yeah. uh, we had this client Market Mall or like. Cadillac Fairview, I guess. Oh, oh more God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we had them as a client. Yeah. And they wanted to do this concept where it was going to be digital, but it had to be, like, super creative. Mm -hmm. um, something about, like, making wishes mm -hmm. digitally. Yeah. And we came up with this concept of, like, doing, like, throwing a coin into the well. Yeah. But having it like done through, I think it was Flash that yeah. we did it through. Yeah. Uh, so like the user would drag their coin into the well, and then it would make this like splashy sound, yeah, and yeah. then like you would make a wish, sure, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like super corny. Yeah, yeah. But then like the the way that I had executed it creatively, yeah, was really good for for its time. Yeah. Uh, and I guess like they liked its, they liked the digital execution so much that they installed a physical well yeah. that looked like the digital execution, yeah. although not perfectly. Yeah. Like, but anyways, like they installed that uh, in the mall itself. Yeah. And that was a very big sort of like deal, at least for me as a yeah. No, dude. Like, like you know, going back, like I'll tell you because I I actually saw it in person and I remember <laughs> you talked about it and stuff and I actually thought that was so cool. I never yeah, actually yeah. did the like you know I didn't know a whole lot about it, yeah. but I knew that you had something to do with this installation yeah. and I thought this is so cool. Right? <laughs> like you know, so man, like yeah, that that was at a different time in our lives. That was yeah, right. We were so yeah, we were so young. Yeah, we truly were. And I remember that so well. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Like, yeah. I think I was actually going to ACAD at the time. Right. I'm pretty sure yeah. I was. But yeah, no, that was really cool. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up a good experience that I remember. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. There's a couple of like similar, like really positive experiences. I remember, again, for Market Mall, we had this like digital Santa tracker thing uh, that we did. And it was just kind of like an online uh, interactive way to get your sort of like kids involved um, during Christmas time. Okay. Right. Like so. That like, kind of rings a bell. I think. Yeah. I yeah yeah. But I don't like, remember. Just doing the the concepting for that, and then like the clients like really loving it, and then all of us like going like ham into. Like making that happen before Christmas, that was super awesome. The concept for Brett Wilson was really awesome. Brett Wilson, he's a crazy philanthropist in uh, Calgary. Uh, he's been on Dragon's Den. I don't know if you you're familiar with that, but yeah, um, yeah. but yeah. for his personal website, like the concepting that I did eventually like went ahead, uh, and so that was really like positive or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, there's like there's been a few. So you're there's kind a of a big deal then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so. I found like certain assignments, like yeah, some really good ones. No, that's there's awesome. Really though. Yeah, like, that's that's really cool. Yeah. But what about some of your really atrocious experiences? Because you know, if there's one thing I know about 
the design industry there's gotta be a few <laughs> there's gotta be a few well i think like the the only time when day in day out and i think we mentioned this we may have mentioned this on the first episode was like the people being really shitty right like yeah. the work and stuff like you're sure you could time manage like stay late or like do whatever it is that you have to yeah to get the job done it's gonna be crappy but knowing you as a creator or creative time managing you can get there right yeah. that's not the issue mm-hmm. it's the people yeah. around that that make it the issue and yeah. so it happened to be at trigger and we may have talked about it at some point it was my creative director, my first creative director at Trigger. Yeah. Who just wasn't like, like he was very sort of like a bit of a hard ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not necessarily in a good way either to yeah. be able to make the end product coming out of the shop better. Right. It was more of like uh, belittling you mm-hmm. uh, as uh, some as a subordinate sure i guess so like that type of stuff right right. interactions and like attitude towards you as a person or even uh to the junior designer who was there man i felt so bad for him Mm -hmm. uh the interactions that they had and just being present in the moment and not being able to do anything about it right because obviously like he's a boss and stuff yeah (laughs) but eventually like I think it got to a point where, and this is good on management for potentially recognizing that, and maybe that was the reason that they let him go. I don't know what it was, but hopefully, yeah, that was that, the that was it. Like yeah. otherwise, I, I wouldn't know what the what right. the reason was. Yeah, I don't. I I just don't get <laughs> people like that. Like, what do you get out of it? Like, some yeah. kind of high, yeah, 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 or something. Yeah. Like, you know, I just don't get it. I always attribute that characteristic to like, there's, there's got to be something in your life that you don't have control over, and yeah, this is that yeah. one thing that that you do because you're in a position of power. Right. Exactly. It's like you know, it's uh, you don't have. Uh, Okay, so we make jokes about my current supervisor all the time because of some of those yeah. same qualities. Yeah, yeah. We always make a joke. Like, chat to he probably goes home, gets his ass kicked by his wife. So he, <laughs> he needs to prove to himself that he is still a man and he just takes it out on us here at yeah. uh, work. right? And we always make that joke. And then one day... That joke, it uh, like you know, we started talking about it seriously as yeah. like a real discussion. Like you know, we joke about it, but what if that is in fact true, right? Yeah. Like you know, if you really think about it, so much of that makes sense. Chances are his wife beats him at home, <laughs> and then he comes here, and then he takes it upon himself to belittle you, teach you how to speak English. I'm like, okay, dude, I can, I can, like you know. Yeah. Uh, ride circles around you, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, just because, yes. like, just because I don't utilize the full extent of my vocabulary at yeah, this yeah, piece yeah. of shit job, <laughs> right? Like, you know, don't like, don't try to correct my English and <laughs> like usage of certain words and whatnot. People like that—that's what it's gotta be. They don't have yeah. control of some aspect of their personal life, yeah. and then they just come 
to it's almost like they have to prove to themselves that yeah I'm the man yeah yeah, yeah. I'm the boss there's right there's gotta be I some, fucking hate those people there's gotta be some sort of like gaping hole in <laughs> yeah. their personal life yeah almost like need a sense of um, yeah call it what you want power, validation power trip yeah power trip validation yeah whatever right they just yeah. need that right in their life. it's pathetic actually it's it's really pathetic. So that was uh, that was like uh, up to that point. Yeah. Uh, going through uh, Zegium yeah. and even like I would say UFC as well because I made the jump yeah. eventually after a number of years at Zegium uh, to go back to school and finish my degree because it was a partnership with Sate. Yeah. That was the beauty of the program right. actually. Yeah. Uh, to be able to go back and complete, yeah, and get a degree, right, uh, right. So even the the time at UFC, like there wasn't, there weren't like any uh, instances where I was like, man, this is really bothering me. It was more so just like time management, right. Uh, if you're able to get that, which I was like seasoned, right? yeah, because yeah. and that's why I found it a little bit easier. I was I was petrified actually. Yeah, uh, I used to be a little bit nervous at the thought of after Zegio being like, well, obviously I'm going into communications degree and there's going to be a ton of papers. I already knew that going in yeah. and just being like, well, I don't really know if my writing's there because there's been such a long gap. Gap, yeah. And so, oh. but then like when I got there, I, like the time management was amazing and to my surprise, the writing was not too shabby. And then over time, I just got in the groove of it. Right. And then, but here's the thing, because honestly, I completely even forgot that you went back to university. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and yeah, which is odd because I was there during that time <laughs> yeah, when yeah. you're going to university. <laughs> but how did, did you find that that actually really helped you afterwards? In terms of what I mean by that is like in your personal life, uh, as well as like, you know, when you went back to uh, like, you know, your professional career. I like, thought a lot about that. Did it help at all? And I don't know if it did okay. actually to this date. Yeah. Because I wouldn't necessarily consider my verbal or written communication skills to have improved uh, from the time. Like, even before SAIT, it was all right. And now that I look back, it's still all right. <laughs> like, I, I, like the, the UFC stuff couldn't have even happened, and I still would have been all right. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that I do attribute to, like, maybe it helped, maybe it not, and only time will tell, is that with UX design, you do have to be a little bit well-versed in how you present instruction or guide. Right. on the screen and so for that you have to do a little bit of ux writing right, and right, there's right. actually roles dedicated now to this there you can be a ux designer mm -hmm. or in larger organizations where yeah. they do have more money to dole out you yeah. can be a ux writer writer as well nice and so there's niches yeah you yeah. can really hold in on mm -hmm. right and larger organizations do have the uh Capacity. luxury yeah to afford specialists in that regard right and so 
uh, with that, only time will tell if it helps. But I guess, like, I would say it's such a specialized thing is that right now, I don't know if I've told you this, I'm actually taking a UX writing course. And so... No, you didn't. Uh, if, the, if the communications degree would have helped, it would have helped that I didn't need to take this course. But I do. And so I'm trying to improve that aspect. But... but <laughs> Are, were you the one who decided that you need this course? Yeah, because I feel a little bit weak in that area. Okay. Right? I yeah, can, but it could just be that you're being way too hard on yourself. Maybe. Yeah. I get into certain challenges with regards to like, okay, I am a little bit more limited as far as real estate on a screen's concerned. Uh, one of my weaknesses is like I tend to uh, over-communicate. Even in my emails, I find it as though that's a little bit... A bit of a weakness of mine is that I just want to I just want the reader to have enough context so that they don't have to come back to me and ask me certain things right mm-hmm. and so I'm like I'll give as much detail as right. but then it's like okay well I often find is that the the reader or like the recipient will come back in anyway and like it, it makes me think that okay they're obviously not reading well emails. yeah but, and it makes me think that oh but, my god is like but, is anybody reading emails yeah from, but like, let me let me these? let me hone in on this uh because let me put it this way yeah, just yeah. like how not all that long we were just talking about it you know when you're creating ux design right you have to simplify it for like uh, would my dad be able to use it my grandpa this and yeah, that yeah. and whatnot right so with the example i used you can communicate as much as you want, but they will come back to you and ask you that question anyway. So yeah, yeah, no yeah. matter how a lot, like you know, comprehensive of an email you send out and stuff like that, trust me, <laughs> chances are your communication skill isn't the issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, the only way they understand and learn things really well is to actually, like you know, physically or actually. Yeah. Uh, asking questions over and over again. Yeah, they're not right? going to get it from reading. So perhaps your writing skills are not the issue here. Yeah. And I'm telling you that because you you need to recognize that and not actually try to achieve this perfection in writing and whatnot. Uh, yeah. Not that I'm saying you shouldn't strive to be better, of course, by yeah, all yeah. means. But I feel like even after this current course you're taking, you might think, oh man, I'm not communicating well enough. Then to me, that's just kind of on you. You're just being kind of too hard on yourself and not recognizing that, hey, like communication is a difficult thing verbally, face to face, let alone through emails and writing. Yeah. Right. So you need to recognize that too, because, um, you know. With UX design, it's definitely a very, it's a very specific um how should i put this you definitely have to achieve the right balance with like how much instruction you're giving somebody yeah yeah it would almost be like i don't know if um i don't know if matt runs into this issue where it's like with technical writing yeah it's very like you have to be you have to be direct right you have to trim out unnecessary and that's all it is is trimming out the unnecessary not over communicating yeah keeping things a little bit simple because obviously it's kind of like we've all become skimmers in the way that we consume content. So just keeping that in mind, yeah. keeping in mind the level of instruction that 
as somebody who's a little bit older might need versus younger. Right. And yeah, you know, yeah, that's a really good point. And, uh, you know, even for me, that's one of the things I'm working on. And I honestly don't know if I'm actually making any sort of progress, really. (laughs) I I really don't know where I tend to over-communicate. Like, forget the writing aspect of it, even when I'm talking with people, which I'm sure is very prevalent in this entire (laughs) podcast. But, like, you know, I need to, uh, like, you know, simplifying, that's really important. Yeah, but yeah. in the same time, right, don't go too simple. Yeah. Right? Because I'll use one example, right? Uh, one of the greatest examples I can use right now is I'm an avid gamer. Right. And in games, like, you know, there's always uh, good games, right? Like, you know, they, there's always a tutorial and whatever, yeah. right? But for seasoned players, you don't always need it. But yeah. if I'm jumping into a brand new genre, like a tutorial is always welcome. And I've come across so many games where it's like they oversimplify everything <laughs> and you know nothing by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I'm like, okay, I just read seven pages worth of crap. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how to do this one thing yeah. that I'm pretty sure is the main focus of this <laughs> game. Right? That has happened on numer- numerous occasions. Yeah, yeah. And that annoys me. And then the opposite is also true. Where sometimes you just jump into a game and then there's like no instructions whatsoever. They just tell you, oh yeah, press, press square to kill everything. Right, and then you press square and nothing. You're like, that's it. Yeah. Okay. So you, you know, there's got to be a balance, and that's really important for UX for websites with with applic apps too. Yeah. Like I'll tell you one thing, and this is probably just me, just probably just me. But Instagram, <laughs> right? It's not that complicated, but there have been times I'm like. This is so irritating, yeah, yeah. right? I just want to do this one thing and I don't know how to do it. Yeah. And I don't know where to go to look it up except Google it, yeah, yeah. right? And I find that annoying. So I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Or like an like, in Instagram going and uh, trying to locate where where it is that um, you can find all in one place the photos that you've liked. Yes. Dude, try to do that. If you're listening, just try to do that as a challenge on your own. <laughs> You'll yeah. be very surprised. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, like, you know what's funny? Like, uh, archaic systems have done that better than Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. DeviantArt, for example. Yeah. You fucking go on DeviantArt, I click on all, like, you know, all my liked shit, it all just appears, bam, <laughs> it's right there. And That's yet cool. Instagram, which is a much newer application... Yeah, like it's ridiculous. So it's like, you know, there's got to be a good balance between the (laughs) two. And uh, it's not achieved at at a lot of places somehow. But, you know. Where it's like, you know, you try to get to... There are certain payoffs and like metrics that uh, they use as well. So, for example, like I would imagine that bringing this feature to the forefront would have a user engaging with the content a little bit more, Mm. right? Perhaps they're looking for like um, similar content, like they're looking for references or like they're looking for someone to follow or types of accounts to follow. Yeah. And by bringing this feature to the forefront, maybe that could help with that. Yeah. But maybe to Instagram, it's all about uh, having the user go through your feed and yeah. go through sponsored content. Sure. 
because that drives the dollars. Right. right? Yeah. And any time away from that, it's kind of like, you know, you're losing out. So who knows what their strategies are. Yeah, but, you know, like one thing that I, it's kind of strange, but one of the things that I've been recognizing more and more these days is that no matter what any company's strategy may be, yeah. ultimately it comes, always somehow comes back to the quality of uh, life for a user. Yeah, yeah. Right, because eventually, like, if they get enough backlash, which happens for Instagram, not maybe not, right? Mm-hmm. But like, you know, things like gaming or forums and whatnot, sure, yeah. the places I spend a lot of time <laughs> in, right? Like, you know, it always somehow comes back to that, and then eventually they're like, okay, let's do it. And then they do it. I'm like, why did we have to bitch and moan for like five years for this to happen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why didn't you just do it to begin with? Like whatever your strategy is, clearly it's working. Yeah. But when you have so many people unhappy, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Because it's, the truth is this, right? Even if someone's unhappy with the user experience, there's something there that just keeps them there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, it's like, wouldn't it be better that this person sticking around even if they're not happy well wouldn't it be better for you as a company if people are sticking around and they're happy instead yeah yeah. right like you're still going to be making that money right like and i'm actually specifically right now talking about mobile games there's a lot of issues with that industry right now like if you're interested you can look into it to completely understand what i'm talking about here but it's as simple as that it's like uh, as like as a UX designer, right? Just do the thing that you know yeah. would make your users happy, <laughs> yeah. rather than just being like, you know what? I can capitalize <laughs> on this without doing it. So fuck it. Yeah. yeah like just true. do it. Yeah, yeah. Even right? like, and you're still gonna make the same money, <laughs> right? Like just do it. Even like uh, a really good example <coughs> of uh, CX that we we encountered as a group recently was uh, yeah. the whole system link. That's a really good example. Oh my God. Let's not get started on that. That's a good example of CX where it's like your customers are interacting with your product. Yeah. uh, You know, and they're trying to figure out how to do system link between two products. Yeah. And so it's like, how do you, how do you make that knowledge available to the user? Yeah. And we had to like, yeah, search endlessly. And, and, And for people who are interested, who are listening in, this is how we came across that information. Like a really, really crappy YouTube video. Not by Microsoft. This was... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a user on YouTube who put together like... uh, And it was like almost a 20-minute video (laughs) long. long, And honestly, we'd learned nothing out of it. It just gave us enough information where we just kind of used our own brains and came up with a solution. And that is a great, great example of poor CX design. Right, like, and and it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like this is Microsoft we're talking about, not just some random company nobody heard of. This is fucking Microsoft, and yet they don't have this information available, like you know, easily. We wasted many hours on that crap. (laughs) Jesus, the amount of hoops we have to jump through. Yeah, man, like. We spent like money, time, energy, like actual money we had to spend in order to get this fucking thing to work. Jesus. But anyways, moving on. So it's all interconnected, right? Like, you know, you've got to have like a good balance, like, you know, uh, in the creation process. But okay, that's good to know. Yeah. That, uh, 
that's one of the challenges uh, definitely going forward that I foresee. Yeah. Uh, you know, like during UX design, or like moving forward in this career. Yeah. Is that there will be opportunities, or not? Not even opportunities. Almost like points of necessity where you have to flesh out some sort of copy. Uh, that's instructing or guiding the user mm. and so just naturally I have to become a little bit better at it yeah. because right now obviously that's not there so well only time will tell yeah but so what's the plan from here on <laughs> what's the plan from here on? yeah I guess professionally yeah professionally yeah get to a point yeah. in an organization it's almost like similar to Shaw where it's like get to a point where you can assume directorship yeah of several streams sure of UX and CX mm. and so that's essentially the next next step but who knows who knows which organization that ends up being with for that even at my current like organization like at the investment firm they are very sort of like they're very encouraging in a sense that like you know if there's training that you're wanting uh go ahead and seek it out expense it it's all good we got you right if there isn't a role right now at the firm and you're looking to sort of like squeeze your way into it we'll fucking create one for you it's all good that's awesome so they they've been like very they've been 100 percent uh from that regard it's just like seeing that opportunity materialize that's a little bit of a problem for me yeah yeah where it's kind of like your organization also has to be in a position where you have sort of like multiple streams for that role to properly be utilized utilized yeah uh because right now it's just uh a ux designer if they happen to if they happen to bring on and like the junior uh designer is sort of like moving into ux yeah and if they hire multiple ux designers i'll be in that sort of like lead position yeah um and that's as far as i would get um but you know you would i would almost have to like move to an organization that has multiple streams yeah. uh, for that role to sort of materialize right, 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 yeah. uh, but for now it's more so role mastery to be able to get to a point where i where i know the discipline very well so that i can one day manage mm. uh, designers right. in that regard that's awesome but now i think we got to know umar tahir as a graphic designer yeah but we don't know more time as, as the Kamina that <laughs> that he really he is. Yeah, really is. So I want to get to know. Uh, well, I I I would like to think that I know, but I would like everyone to know what kind of specific specialized Kamina you are. <laughs> so right? actually, before we get into yeah, that, yeah, I find it very interesting how I don't know if you struggle with this, mm. where especially now more so than ever. I've had to introduce myself as a graphic designer yeah. at one point. Right. I've had to introduce myself as a digital art director at one point. Yeah. And now I'm going to have to introduce myself as a UX, UX designer. designer. Yeah. So along all of these mm. uh, stages, yeah. I've struggled mm. uh, in terms of like describing to someone mm-hmm. what my role is. I don't right. know if you've struggled. Oh man. Like, uh... like what it is that I really do. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, (laughs) you know what, like, it's, uh, it's odd, it's kind of odd that, like, you know, 
you're you're bringing that up because no i i do i always do but yeah, i feel yeah. like at least uh, at least from all the all the titles yeah. that you've moved through it somehow at least kind of interconnects yeah. in one level or another right True. but like you know for me the way like cuz essentially a ux designer is still yeah, yeah. a graphic designer mm-hmm. really yeah. You know, because the way I look at it is that a uh, graphic designer is kind of like a doctor, yeah. right? They're, I'm a doctor, yeah, but what kind? Are, are you a dentist? Are you a gynecologist? Are you a surgeon? Yeah, so yeah. The, no matter what role you are playing as an art director, yeah. like, you know, UX designer, UI designer, yeah, yeah. to me, you're always going to be a graphic designer. Call it like a general designer. Yeah, it's your yeah. title, right? Yeah. Like, you know, Dr. Umar. Yeah, right, yeah. it's a graphic designer. Homework. <laughs> that's that's how I've always viewed it. Yeah, yeah. Right, um, that makes sense to me. But if for, when you're talking with people who actually you know that they know what UX designer is, I would introduce myself. I'm a UX designer. Yeah, if yeah. it's just some Joe Schmo at a party who you know probably doesn't <laughs> know, I'd be like, yeah, I'm a graphic designer because yeah. I've struggled with that. Like at the advent of ACAD actually yeah, right yeah. oh like you know what are you taking yeah. what are you gonna be i'm like <laughs> oh, i'm gonna be illustrator yeah. and they're like what is that even because i was i had no idea that most people don't know what an illustrator is so then i just started saying a graphic designer yeah yeah right because that like that's yeah, that's more that's more of a thing people know like oh okay you're that's a, a designer uh, yeah term the term Right, but illustrator, nobody ever believe it or not. True story. One uncle, when I said I'm going to be an illustrator, I, I I I tried so hard not to laugh, and I did it. Right, but he's like, "Oh, Adobe, you're going to be Adobe Illustrator." And I struggled so hard not to laugh my fucking ass off, and I'm like, a, a, a graphic designer. Right? And this was during a party at my Tuscany house. And I'll never forget that because I was like like ready to just fucking cry. You should have been like, yes, I could be that for Halloween. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I was like, how can he, this guy know what Adobe Illustrator is, but yet not know what Illustrator is? That was the funny part to me, right? And I'm like... That's amazing. Yeah, so uh, so I just started telling people, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a graphic designer. When in reality, yeah, they yeah. are quite far yeah. in what the roles actually are. Yeah, yeah. Right? I've done that too. Just to like, um, just to put it very simply for them. Yeah. Because it's a very yeah. common Yeah, it's because, you know, like, what am I going to do? Actually go in depth? Like, no, no, I'm an illustrator. I'm going to be actually doing, like, drawings for comic yeah, books yeah, yeah. and... Like, you know, things like that. Like, comic book? What, He-Man? Like, you know, I, I don't want to get into that kind of conversation with people. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know. So. It's the easy route. It's the easy route. Oh, I'm a graphic designer. It's the easy route. So then that's what I introduced myself as. Like, even now, like, you know, people, they ask me, oh, like, this and that. I'm just like, yeah, I'm just a graphic designer who draws <laughs> like basically that like i'm a graphic designer who who just draws a lot yeah. right yeah. so but in reality i am an illustrator is what i really am with some training in graphic designing yeah. is what i really am but 
I'm not going to go down that path with yeah, people, yeah. right? So, but for you, just say you're a graphic designer, man. It's just easier that way. Jesus Christ. Seriously. It happens to be a measuring tool as well. It's like, you know, you're, you're at a social event. Yeah. And like, you... That's almost like a question by default to like size someone up. Sure. Like, oh, what do you do? Like, yeah. Uh, and then, because I'd rather be those introductory um social socializations to be more of like okay what's what's your sort of like backstory right what, what's your story right yeah. or like what are you passionate about uh, honestly from the here on because of uh, what you just said i'm like there could be no better introduction that i can give out from my story I'm a junkie, a recovering junkie, <laughs> yeah. and then just walk away, <laughs> right? Like that's and then so we're done. Right? And then see your uh, rumors spread about you. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. See that guy? Yeah, he's yeah. a junkie. Yeah, he's a recovering junkie <laughs> at that, right? Like you know. stay away from. Him. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> but anyway, no, I know what you mean, though. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Bit of a struggle. Like, I would love to go into that, but you know, I feel like sometimes uh, it may come off as sounding really pretentious because uh, there have been times where I got so annoyed. I'm like, no, I'm gonna actually tell them what it is that I do. So then I go into in depth, like, you know, I'm yeah. an illustrator, and my primary job is to consider, like, you know, uh, composition, color, and all of that. Uh, you know, and make a very cohesive uh, story within one singular panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I have said that before, and I have gotten weird looks out of it. And I, I don't know if it was, like, out of awe, yeah. or was it, like, Ew, <laughs> yeah. shut the fuck up, right? Yeah, like, like why know? me? Yeah, <laughs> like, I didn't, uh, like, dude, like, I don't care, right? Like, you know, so I, I don't know, like, you know, I don't know. So that's why I just started using the graphic design. But I completely know where you're coming from yeah. in terms of being a professional. It's like, well, I'd rather have these people know what it is that, that I truly do as opposed yeah. to just taking the easy route every single time. Right, because it isn't a good, uh, it isn't a proper metric for what you do, right? Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, but you know, the sad truth is, most people I don't think even care. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's the reality, right? Yeah. Then, even within, and, and I, I don't mean it as a negative, right? Mm. But even within our friend circle, right? <laughs> like, I don't know who would be interested to just sit there and fully understand what is it that I truly do. Yeah, right because yeah. if because most people i feel like they'll be like oh yeah Sai just draws but there's so much more than that that i do yeah, right yeah, but yeah. i can't think of even a single person who would be interested in knowing what is the all the other aspect is like with all the talks today about the, your career and everything i'm sure there's a lot they're gonna learn uh, but in the same time, like, well, is are these things that they have actually ever wondered about on their own? Yeah. But anyway, moving away from that, so let's uh, let's get to know a little bit of the Kamina Pan. Kamina Pan. 
What is? Right. How would you even translate that to someone? Little rascal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> rascalish qualities. Rascalish qual- qualities of Umar Tahir, right? So, well, I mean, there are many ways to actually go about that, but I wanted to do it kind of in an interesting way. Oh, so, uh, the way I thought of that would be kind of cool is that I want to know why you thought of doing this and why is it so important for you and when i say this i mean rock paper cilantro oh shit because here's the thing yeah i remember that it was you who brought that idea yeah yeah, yeah. to me at starbucks while i was working on my novel (laughs) and uh whatnot so that's where it kind of stemmed from so i don't think just anybody would come up and be like hey man let's just do a podcast right i think there's got to be a lot more to it than just wanting to do this thing for no apparent reason and for fun <laughs> because you're you don't see strike as the type of person who's like well yeah, let's just do it for fun type of thing yeah so uh, like yeah so why did you want to do this and why is it so important for you and i think that'll be a good window to get to know the Kamina point of so I actually want to prepare you for this because like there's been like I was born prepared son. There's been <laughs> there's been instances yeah where uh, there's been instances throughout uh, my professional career where I found or stumbled upon a little bit of creative angst. So whatever that I was sort of like not getting professionally, I would try to cope with it in interesting ways. And I would try to like fill some sort of hole that was there. Because obviously that wasn't being filled professionally. Right, right. And so I started making portraits, illustrations, like you'll remember, right? Like that was a phase. Mm. It fizzled out. Right. Right? Why? Because that hole got filled somehow. I don't know. Okay. I, I couldn't put a finger on it. Sure. Uh, the uh, PT phase. Yeah. The hole got filled somehow. Right. Uh, call it some sort of a, a refocusing of priorities. Call it a move away from certain negativity that was there. Right. Whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, I, I do want to prepare you for this because... Uh, I think I know where you're going with that. that. So it's like even but, this yeah. could pan out that way. Because... Yeah, the, and, and it's going to be easy for me to just punch you in the face. <laughs> because the <laughs> angst, and I'll, and I'll tell you, is that like this is... So this is all connected in this way. Yeah. This is where it's stemming from yeah. in that I just don't feel as though... Uh, the conversations that I have in my group of friends who are close to me is that I don't necessarily find those conversations meaningful enough uh, often. Yeah, like sure they have their moments where it's like we're getting to like shoot the shit for kicks or like having a lighthearted conversation and all of that's good but I need that deeper level of interaction where we're talking about uh, 
uh, we're having challenging and hard conversations. Yeah. Which, which will, by the way... Which we'll get to in this podcast at which, some point. I, exactly. And so that's yeah. why I love it. Uh, yeah. Which, by the way, I've, I'm noticing that, uh, you know, personally, I'm being a little bit uh, steered in that direction in the group where... Um, you know, I'm being a little bit forced to keep the conversations a little bit lighthearted. Right. And to be honest with you, I don't like that right. at all. Right. Uh, I want to be able to speak my mind and I want to be able to have a healthy discourse. Right. right? right. It almost becomes in a weird way. And I don't even know if this is going to make sense. <coughs> it almost becomes that level of... Uh, it almost becomes that argument of like, okay, uh, a woman walks out of the house. Yeah. Men ogle at her. Right? Uh, so that happens. Should she start becoming self-conscious of what she's wearing? Mm. I don't think so. Yeah. It's a fundamental change in which uh, men have to view women. Yeah. So that's where the change is. Yeah. Not where, like, the woman should be able to express herself how she wants. How she wants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's almost like it's getting to that point where it's like, like, if I'm, if I'm inquisitive and I'm curious, and that's a personality trait of mine, mm. and I want to be able to grow with people, and I want them to grow with me, mm. um, you know, it's like, it's almost like, I shouldn't have to change myself. It it almost becomes well, if we're able to have healthy discourse and if we're able to um, move through it with um, proper emotions, then that should be something to strive for. Not that okay, let's let's turn. Let's try to avoid every single thing that exactly. Uh, you and know, so yeah. this is where. Um, it's almost like conversational angst that comes through and this is a remedy for that where you're right. trying to get to, um, you know, certain topics or like having a little bit more of a deeper connection with someone right. where you're trying to mentor someone or right. receive that mentorship in return right. where you're trying to get yourself personally somewhere uh, where you're trying to grow or become a little bit better than you were yesterday. Right, right. And, you know, like, by that exchange, making someone else better uh, than they were yesterday. Sure. Uh, you know, so it's it's stemming from that mostly. Right. Um, no, the other and, and you know what? Like, I'm so glad I uh, presented my question as I did because that alone just tells me so much. Yeah, about yeah. where you are in your life right now and why this is so important to do for you yeah. because honestly like all that you said like it felt like an echo of my own sentiments Damn. in many ways right yeah. um that's part of it right yeah, like, yeah. Uh, obviously like you know there are other stuff as to why i think this is a really important thing that uh we're doing but yeah. uh and it doesn't show yet because this is, let's be real, it's the second episode. Yeah. We're kind of testing the water still, but, uh, the other, but yeah. The other aspect is like, obviously, like over the past uh, 
couple of years like we've grown closer in our friendship yeah. together and i feel as though like talking to you is a little bit more easier than like somebody else where it's like you have a little bit more of an exchange or you do offer that little bit more of a curiosity yeah. for that exchange to happen sure. right which i'm just there's like i don't know there's that's uh, shocking to hear because all i know is i talk a lot <laughs> <laughs> so you know i don't really know if there's anybody else uh to be honest with you in the group that is there mentally or just like willing to go deep in an area where they wouldn't otherwise right? you know it's interesting you say that because uh i'm just gonna interrupt for one second here yeah, yeah. i feel like there are some people with the same level of uh curiosity and being able to provide that awesome exchange i'm getting there i'm yeah. trying to get there yeah with it, certain it's people. there it's there it's just that uh, for me, it's just a think of it almost as a secret plan I have or yeah, whatever. Yeah. I'm trying to get that out of those people, and yeah. uh, hopefully, I we can get there with those people on here. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely, right. That's but I know it's there. It's yeah. just like you know, it's one of those things. It's like the my motto is there's a time and place for everything. Yeah, and that's what I'm kind of counting on, and I'm waiting for that perfect, precise moment. Yeah, where I strike when it's the perfect time, and then it will be there. Yeah. But you know, there's, as I always say, there's just way too many layers to this thing. But like, okay, one person is complicated enough because there's so many layers. Now add like seven, eight other people, and you you lose track of how many layers there are. Right. Yeah, yeah. But I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. But with the, because I know like there's. There's obviously relationships that you have uh, that are very meaningful to you in the group, and you've honed them to an extent where yeah. you've gotten that from certain people. Yeah. I'm only, I would say, if I had to compare myself in that regard, like I'm only getting there yeah. now. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm peeling back certain layers, yeah. but I definitely don't want to, I definitely don't want to go full Monty and be like, you know, like, put them in a precarious situation where they have to where they feel a little bit uncomfortable yeah, i'm yeah. trying to take like baby steps yeah, yeah and that's course. all it is no and hopefully it gets to that point yeah as well but uh i'm essentially in the same boat as you where hopefully in the, in the near future we bring them along uh as guests and sort of like peel back their layers almost together in a sense right, right, right. and discover sort right. of what they're all about yeah yeah, but, you know, one thing to be clear here is that, like, you know, uh, this isn't so much about, oh, yeah, like, uh, everyone needs to be amazing friends or anything like that. No, no, like, it's like, you know, within a bunch of people, even, like, for example, one of the worst places I can use it as an example, I'll use it right now, even at work, right? right? My piece of crap work. It's <laughs> like, uh, it isn't, it's never about becoming really good friends with everybody there because honestly that's never going to happen even yeah, yeah, if yeah. there was some opportunity there that that could happen i wouldn't take that opportunity fuck that it's about just being able to have conversations about anything and everything with people between people that yeah. sort of thing yeah. right that's what this is really about 
So, you know, uh, this isn't some sort of weird backhanded invitation to be like, yeah, let's be best friends or something like that. It's like, yeah, you know, conversation is a very important thing that actually does way more than people give it credit for. Yeah, yeah. And if strangers all around the world can actually do it on podcasts and things like that, yeah. then it's kind of odd that you are not being able to do it with people that you've known all your lives type of thing. Yeah. But having that said that, uh, like, you know, um, we'll talk about this in more depth some For sure. other time. There's but, a, uh, yeah. I'll go with, uh, yeah. <clears throat> there's sort of like tertiary motives as well. Yeah. In terms of like, okay, I want to be able to, uh, communicate a yeah. little bit better verbally. I want to be able to, I want to be able to improve my listening skills as well. Like I've, I, I generally have a sense that like I'm, I am a good listener, but I feels like there, there could be improvements in that regard as well, because That's I almost absurd. I almost okay. <laughs> I almost value listening over verbal uh, communication in the sense that like to be a very good listener and to be able to ask the right questions you have to listen and you have to sort of like it's almost like you have to set yourself aside and focus on uh the moment at hand mm -hmm. uh be able to absorb as much as you can mm -hmm. So that in return, you can ask the right questions to be able to move and continually uh, move that conversation in a way in which you're going to benefit the most from it. Right. Uh, so that's why I like highly value that over verbal communication. Right. You know, that's something I never really thought about, but now I'll try to give a thought to it you really have to set yourself yeah. um like it's almost like true listening yeah, yeah. requires right um, oneself you know, to like it's kind of funny self, because uh, the perspective you're coming from it makes so much sense to me but then in the same time like uh one thing i have thought about before is that one of the qual one of the qualities i have which is actually kind of annoying uh, especially these days, this wasn't the case uh, before, but I feel like as a storyteller, like it is really important to actually be able to uh, talk yeah. and communicate uh, because whenever I talk, I don't do it purposely, but it just kind of, I feel like I do a well enough job most times where it's uh, engaging. Yeah, It's yeah. engaging. Like people are actually uh Get, like you know they, they they're listening and whatnot most times not always but you know and as the storyteller that that's important to be able to do is to actually talk and actually because uh, the purpose of the talking is essentially getting the engagement yeah, yeah that's what i'm looking for right so yeah both are important i would say but yeah. it's something i have to think about more Right. Uh, and if this but, is like, if this is another argument for you, it's like uh, you could compare it to how we, 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 I say we as a society, we've become so polarized yeah. because of the fact that we're not listening to one another. Right. Yeah. We're absolutely. Not, 
compromising because we're not listening. Yeah, and yeah. I almost think I'll extend it to this group as well. And I'll majority of our problems can be solved if we just listen first before we you know before the follow-up yeah 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 but try to actually try to actually get to a place where you know what know fully what the other person's problem is with you yeah like obviously like if you're not gonna get a sense of that how how in the world do you propose you go ahead and find some sort of a solution through some sort of a screaming match yeah, yeah but we'll get there we'll what get there is. but okay <laughs> but that's a that's really good uh that's a really good window as to like why you wanted to do this it like and how and what's important to you right now at this point in your life and that's why i asked it the way i asked it yeah, right because yeah. i wanted to know so yeah okay well that's awesome and now so let's go back oh shit let's go back a bit well no because you know like i've heard stories from everybody right like you know uh like oh yeah like you know we came to canada it was like this and that and whatnot but for you what i don't know is well, like, uh, when you came here, how was life like, right? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. as a kid, like, you know, what was Umar like before he started telling people he wants to become a game designer, right? <laughs> yes. Like, you know. That whole elementary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I know you went to uh, West Geiger. Yeah, yeah. Right? Or, yeah, so it's like... So we came. We came in '97. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, uh, I don't know how it was kind of like determined. That, so a year uh, before us, damn. Yeah, I think yeah. Most of us kind of like got came at the same time. It's just interesting as well. Yeah. Um, it was determined that I go into the tail end of grade five because grade five was just sort of like wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I was put there. Uh, at uh, Graham McEwen. What could have been? Because that's <laughs> where me and Aziz went. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys didn't know Ghazali. I knew Ghazali. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I'm sure he's a nice guy now. But back then he was such a dick. <laughs> like, seriously. Oh, man. Or so, maybe he's still the same. I would be like, dude, you never changed. Yeah. What happened? You're still a dick. What's What the hell? You just never grew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I got to say that, like, we landed in the winter. Yeah, yeah. And so I was, I don't know, man. If depression was a thing, I was fucking in that shit. Yeah. Because I remember, I remember leaving... Um, our grandma's house in Salkort, Pakistan. Yeah. To drive to the airport to make the flight. Yeah. And just before we left, I fucking bawled my eyes out. Yeah. And I just didn't know why it was. Maybe it was because of the fact that like I was leaving, I was leaving everything behind, right. and I just didn't know how I would have been just emotionally there to be able to just yeah yeah um like have myself go through that yeah which for the longest time like i didn't i wasn't the kid 
who cried when someone passed. Right, right. Like honestly, I wasn't in. Tears. So you're so you're telling me you were very stoic <laughs> even back then. <laughs> I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't very in tune with my uh, emotions. Yeah. Uh, to that level. Yeah, yeah. Um, but at that specific point, everything just came out. Uh, so I, I was like very sad about leaving family and friends. Yeah, uh, mostly. Yeah, and so Man, but that's like really crazy. But even yeah. just like landing in the in the in the dead winter months, yeah. and just being like, this is this is what life is now. This is how crappy it's gonna be. Yeah, like day in day out, there isn't summer. Yeah. like I don't know if can, like Canadians have summer. summer exactly. And so this is this is what life is gonna be. <laughs> so I remember um, at that point I was quite sad. Yeah, there was like um, like obviously like not knowing the language initially yeah. kind of played that part as well because. Yeah. We weren't that well versed in English. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We only knew a few words actually. Oh, okay. To be honest, so interesting. To and I think like my brother and my sister struggled more so yeah. because they were older, older and yeah, I was yeah. younger, yeah. and I was able to pick it up a little bit more quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ESL helped uh, a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, ESL sessions helped quite a bit. Uh, there were like a couple of like bullying incidents which at the time uh didn't really make sense uh to me uh from the standpoint of like even recognizing that this is this is is what's happening this is what's happening yeah Yeah. and and just like brushing it aside and just be like well that fucking kid is like just being a dick so i'll just move on yeah right and this is just one interaction it's all good yeah and not letting that affect me it was like it was like much later that i recognized that it, for that's, what it was that's what was going right, on right 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 yeah yeah like this girl she spit on my face and so yeah uh at the time do you remember her name <laughs> you don't <laughs> i don't because like, i would have turned it into that entire thing find her and make her <laughs> apologize because in this day and age we live in like people would eat her alive oh she would get cancelled so bad yeah uh so and then like uh, much later just recognizing and just like uh seeing um or just like reflecting thinking back to the words that were exchanged yeah. and just like retrospectively just like thinking a lot more yeah. about for what it was right 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 rather than just like a one off incident yeah uh so there were a couple of instances of that um i got to say by uh fox though yeah. things were things were good Things were um, good because I did have um, Omender and I became friends in yeah. uh, grade seven, yeah. uh, and he remained uh, one of my best friends uh, up until like the conclusion of high school. And so to have him there uh, throughout Terry Fox, especially, uh, was kind of like you know he offered that sort of academic. Um, almost like an academic adversary where yeah. you're trying to like one up each other and yeah, it's yeah. all fun. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that was really good. Um, high school, it's almost funny. Like we talk about high school and we even like knew each other in high school uh-huh. uh, in the periphery. Yeah. But then 
what was surprising was that just having conversations about it much later and just finding out how shitty of a time people had in high school and me not being aware of that. I'll be completely honest with you. I actually have no recollection whatsoever of (laughs) actually interacting with you at all during high school. I don't think I've ever talked to you even once. Yeah, yeah, we used yeah. to see each other in hallways and shit all the time, but we never. I don't remember. Yeah, if you yeah. do, that's would be insane to me. I'm like, how does he remember and I don't? <laughs> yeah, right? But honestly, um, yeah. yeah, like very few interactions, even with disease uh, as well. Yeah, um, very few, very few. Yeah. But then, you know, yeah, like I said, like thinking back about it, um, it was it was relatively quiet and i think that was a little bit of a it was good because the flip side would have been drama and you know hearing the drama about high school through my friends i was kind of glad that i was lucky in in that way that i kind of strayed away from that right almost by chance right and i never got to experience it Right, right um so high school was high school was all right No, but you know what's funny is, but I I shouldn't be surprised yet. I kind of am. Is that your experience coming to Canada all the way up to high school is in many ways not exactly many ways similar to mine and Aziz's too. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, but then it's like, well, it makes sense though, doesn't it? It's like immigrant family, like really young kids arrive. What do you expect would happen? Right, because. Uh, yeah, like I got bullied too and stuff like that. Junior high, I'm glad to hear that by the time you got to junior high, that was awesome. Yeah. Right? But if I'm being completely honest, junior high, I speak really highly of it. <laughs> but in truth, I'm mostly talking about the second half of grade eight yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and all of grade nine. Because grade seven, yeah, it wasn't the greatest. It's like that uh, bullying and, uh, you know, all of that kind of carried over. But it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't as bad in grade seven. Yeah. Uh, It actually, it it started getting better near the end of grade seven. But can't really say I, we had friends really. Adman, Nikki, yeah, like, whatever. It was very few, actually. Very few. Now that I think back, you went to Fox, very few friends. Very few. But the friends that were, it was good times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then came the second half of grade eight, and then everybody, I was friends with everybody. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) So, but, yeah, no, like, so there are a lot of similarities between your experiences and ours. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of crazy. And I'm glad in that way how... You stayed away from drama in high school, yeah. as did I, yeah, because yeah. I was just yeah, it was a different time in my life. I was I didn't care yeah. to be part of anyone or anything yeah, yeah, at yeah. that time. But that was good. I remember, like, a, on one instance, I <coughs> I definitely felt as though like if I was if I was in this person's life a little bit longer or had i not chosen to exit away from it that their life would be a little bit better uh i'll tell you about who i was talking about afterwards yeah Yeah. but it just so happened that uh things were getting a little bit kind of like 
not not hectic. High school the high school definitely wasn't hectic, unless you were working on the side, which I don't know how Efreen did because I know she worked on the side yeah, and still yeah. went to high school. Yeah, yeah. Prop fucking mad props to whoever actually even in this day and age works on the side while going to school. Mad props to those people. Yeah, I couldn't. Uh, yeah, you know what? I couldn't do it. I tried. Yeah. I failed day one. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it wasn't that life was becoming hectic. It was just like, my attention was diverted to some other people. Yeah. And then like, um, this person sort of like, went down the path of uh, like, drugs and like, eventually having a child and all this sort of stuff. Um, which was interesting, which yeah. was interesting to observe. And I often think about it now, where it was like, if how would my involvement have been, and uh, what would what would the choices um, have been that I met, that this person had made? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, you always think back. Yeah, of course, uh, of course, you do. Yeah, there was only one instance like that. Yeah. Uh, coming to Canada, though, like I give mad props to our parents as well. Yeah, because man. man, to uproot their lives like that. And in their age, in their age, being open to a one eighty change like that, right? Exactly. What at my dad's age when he just left everything, came here. Yeah, yeah. At that age, I'm telling you right now, I would not be able to do it. I'm too much of a pussy to make that fucking giant, giant change. Yeah. Right. Like I don't know how he did it. I don't know how my mom actually fucking did it. Yeah. And. I'm being very honest right now. I don't think it's in me. Yeah, I yeah. could do it. Maybe Aziz can, but I'm too much of a pussy. I would probably start crying, and my wife's like, "Okay, why <laughs> did I not marry a man? Like, what the hell?" But I would be like, "No, don't make me do it." I'll just start crying. I'm like, "No, no, I can't." Right? Like, this, it's crazy. I don't yeah, know how yeah, my yeah. mom and dad did it, or your parents, or any one of our parents, bro. Like, Mad it's props. insane. I don't know, yeah. and it doesn't help that I'm an introverted person, yeah, so yeah. I'm not. Like, you know, big changes like that is a huge shock. But right? you know, So, you know, I don't think I can do it. It's definitely one thing that... Uh, it's definitely one thing that comes with parenthood because out of all of us, right? Yeah. Uh, our parents obviously had us, so they had children. Primarily, like, I know this for my parents, is that they made the move because of us. And so yeah. I'm willing to bet that, yes, all of our parents did in fact make the move they make the move not for their fucking personal interests but for their children to provide more opportunities to them to be able to provide a better future for them because obviously what they were seeing back home wasn't yeah promising. no yeah as far as opportunity was exactly. concerned for people coming exactly up. and that's another thing that just gets me so scared i'm like i don't think i'll ever love my children that much <laughs> <laughs> to to just fucking just be like yeah let's let's just fucking move to a different country and, i was actually gonna make that argument to be like if you i'd be like kid listen listen <laughs> fuck you <laughs> 
make something out of yourself. If you can't, that's on you, <laughs> not on me. Peace. I just walk out of the door. Hey, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be uh, actually a, a more better achievement if they made it in a world that was like Shit. not favoring them? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, then you would be sad, son. And he'd be like, dad, you're a piece of shit and you're proving that to me right now. This That's nothing to be proud of. I'll be like, get up. Yeah. <laughs> like, get up. No, I don't know, man. I don't know. Jokes aside, though, I, I wish I could say that for my parents, they feel like it was worth it, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can never truly know. Actually, I can. My dad's dad direct. He'll say it to my face, <laughs> "You were a waste of my life." <laughs> I'm kidding, but you know. But I'll be sc- honest. I'm too scared to even ask that question to them. Yeah, because the other cause the regret. Yeah, but you know what? I guess. I don't know. This is a different territory we're stepping into and we will in a different conversation. But I want to just close it off by saying is that for me personally, even if the answer is what I don't want to hear now, I want to change that soon. And I hope for every immigrant child who is here or any future ones, that's something that they should all strive to do. Because honestly, just talking about it just now, yeah, man, that hit hard for me i'm like i don't know how my parents did it yeah and i don't know if honestly and i'm not actually trying to be funny right now i don't know if i am capable of loving my kids that much to do something like that i'm sure like i don't feel it now but when i have my own kids i know it'll be different but you know i don't feel it right now so it's absurd to me like how can you i love something that much to just (laughs) fucking completely because my dad was actually had a good job you know honestly like it wasn't crazy for us back home but i felt good yeah it didn't feel like we're in any crisis kind of whatever i'm willing to bet that all of us were we're all right yeah we're all right so it's like you know how cut I can't imagine, let, like, especially right now, because yeah. of my current situation, if I get a good job, my wife's like, yeah, no, like, we got to move to Sweden for our kids. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Do you know how hard I had to work to get this this $20 job? Fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, bitch. <laughs> We're not living in a third world. Yeah, country. exactly. <laughs> bitch, I ain't moving to Sweden. <laughs> like, like, seriously. <laughs> Turns out she and really I don't even like, like you that much. I just got married because I'm getting old. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm not ready to like, you know. But anyway, I feel like we got to know you somewhat. Yeah, there's a long ways to go <laughs> for all of us. But you know, I generally don't share. Yeah, as much about yeah. myself. But how do you feel about that? I'm trying to change that because uh, I know you've probably noticed this as well in the last two years is that I am getting to that point where yeah. I do feel comfortable yeah. sharing certain things. Yeah. Um, with certain things, I just don't know yeah. actually yeah. how I'm going to be when I'm put in that situation. Yeah. Uh, with certain things, I just keep private to myself. Right. Uh, obviously we had that conversation at Sundays where uh, I still grapple with the kind of stuff to share uh, and not come off as 
you know, burdening someone yeah. uh, with certain things. Yeah. So that's going to be a continuous struggle for me. Yeah, but, you know, it, it makes you feel <clears throat> any better. Like, I feel like that's something that we all struggle with. Yeah, right. Yeah. And for me, that has changed a lot, especially, honestly, I think uh, the pivotal point for me was back in perhaps 2018, where I started sharing a lot more because they're just I just got got to a point where and I'm sure it's the same with you and everybody else where, you know, it just feels suffocating. And then sometimes like, you know, I think that too, oh, I don't want to be burdensome to somebody else. But there's mm-hmm. a part of me where it's like, okay, you know what, I've practiced keeping to my uh, stuff to myself for many, many years. And what has that actually gotten me except self-inflicted pain? Yeah. Right. So then there just comes a point where like, it's just better to do that. And then the good thing with that is like, you know, sometimes, right? Like I know uh, you can tell is like when you're, you're sharing stuff with people and uh, if that interest isn't there, then I immediately uh, like, you know, just stop yeah, yeah. and then just move on with other aspects of my life or interests or what have you yeah. right but that's something like yeah like we you and i have talked about it and you have a hard time with that and i feel like you're definitely getting better but yeah. don't feel bad about having reservations about certain topics or certain things and whatnot because let's be real like you know not everybody needs to know everything yeah, yeah, yeah. right and that goes for yourself as well you don't have to share everything yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. right so there's a lot uh, a lot of us keep to ourselves and there are multitude of reasons for that and that's yeah. okay right but you know uh when it comes down to just not between even two people but just generally uh in a group uh of people or whatever like yeah you know it it's helpful to share things even if they're difficult to share yeah because that opens up uh opportunity for others to actually honestly i think that way and that's the way i like a lot of the times i'll share stuff yeah just and present that opportunity for the other people to be like you know what sides talking about it i'll talk about it too yeah, yeah right yeah. and then they start doing that that doesn't always happen yeah. right it's been a hit or miss uh, uh with me in many occasions but the times it does happen i'm like that's i'm not looking to succeed every time <laughs> i succeed yeah. every now and then and that's a win for me right right like just share i'm here i'll listen and like you know whatnot yeah. so yeah obviously it feels like very refreshing I know uh, Anana and I talked about this on our podcast, and I hope like she doesn't mind me sharing this. Is that like she felt the same way? Is that if you're if you're inquisitive about somebody and you're just a little bit curious and you ask questions, obviously on the receiving end, they're gonna feel they're gonna feel very refreshed. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because in most situations, it doesn't turn out to be that way. Yeah. The important thing to remember is that you're not gonna like you know you're not gonna get the result you're always looking for yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why just just be happy when you do uh, like you know when when you do succeed At once in a while 
yeah. every now and then that's good enough yeah. and uh that's all i'm really looking for most of the times yeah. so yeah you know like it's a work in progress like uh with people that includes you that includes like various other people in my life but yeah i mean there's a lot of stuff that i need to sort out for myself as well and uh it helps when i'm like actually talking with people and sharing and they're sharing that's when it's the best yeah right when they share and because it's almost like an opportunity for me to learn and try to utilize some of the things they say the way they think uh and do things that way maybe because at the end of the day you're only familiar with uh one way of thinking that's your your own you're familiar with only of one way of doing things and that's your own yeah right yeah. so it's when uh you're talking and uh, like sharing and stuff like that you're introduced to other variety of ways to tackle whatever it is it can be a good thing it can be a struggle in your life or whatever yeah. like so that's that's what i try to absorb for uh, with people but yeah, so, but so don't be too hard on yourself for being reserved. Right. It's always going to be a work on progress and stuff like that. Uh, so I guess where I am at my life right now, I really like being in the zone and like being in a state of flow where your challenges meet your skill sets in such a way that you're able to solve problems, uh, not necessarily easily, but eventually. And that you struggle somewhat along the way. And I feel like that's essentially that's essentially what contentment and happiness is for me. As long as I'm engaged and as long as the challenge isn't so high that my skill sets, whatever, and I'm not even talking like necessarily in the creative realm. Mm-hmm. It's all facets of life. Right, right, right. Um, you know, like if the challenge tends to be too high and my skill sets aren't there necessarily, I'm going to be stressed. Mm-hmm. And I'm noticing that more so. Yeah. The the stress and the anxiety comes from that more so. Uh, it comes from people a little bit as well. But again, you can place them in that same category where it's like if they're too far gone, mm. they're fucking gone. Yeah. And there isn't anything that you can do about it. Uh, if they're within reach, it becomes a nice challenge mm. and it becomes some sort of a problem to solve. And you feel as though you do have the skill sets to get there. Yeah, You get there. Yeah. Right. And you work on it. Right. That's essentially what contentment is for me. I never want to be at that point where uh, the challenge is very low indeed, and I have all the skill sets in the world. At that point, I'm just kind of like complacent, and I'm very comfortable, and you know, just coasting through life. Yeah, yeah. And essentially bored out of my mind yeah. <laughs> like i never want to be in that space mm-hmm. and so right now i'm there and i'm really happy with the people and the work that i'm doing so it's all gelling it's all gelling right now That's and it's because awesome. of just coming across shitty humans and shit just not working awesome well that's a wrap <laughs> episode two episode two is a wrap yeah tune in uh, next episode yeah where we talk about extra guac and yeah how important <laughs> exactly and what's up with goat cheese <laughs>
like what's what's going on there right so yeah don't don't miss us next time because oh man we got we're some, about to go there yeah we're about to go there all Our right culinary quips yeah exactly all right okay we'll catch you in the next one